Welcome back for another week. Our learning is dedicated to Eloy Nishmad, Rivka, Bad Yaakov, Alevi, Lucy, Maya, and Rina D. Our full year sponsors are the Hollander family, complete refuah for all the Cholim, the Friedman family, in memory of Hannah Malka, Bat David, and refuah for Rachel, Merrill Hinda, Bat Miriam Rivka. Half year sponsor, refuah for Menucha, Toba, Bat Shoshana, Chava, Devora. Our Spotify sponsor, Rufuah Shleimah, for all those injured in Eretz Yisrael. We continue to uh, have in mind for Rufuah Shleimah. You did the Chaim Ben-Aviv, Rufka Chaya, Baruch Avigal, Barachal Gita, Tila Batya, Ben-Chaya Tova, Shemem Ben-Elka, and Shadochim for all those in need. It is a exciting week, not only because we are starting Parak Chet, but it is also an exciting week because this marks the end of the first year, the beginning of our second year. I believe that this is our 53rd year together. So for those of you that have been here till the from the beginning, give yourselves a pat on the back. That's amazing. For those of you that have jumped on along the way, thank you. And I appreciate that you're part of our journey. One year down, two years to go, Amir Tzashem, we will complete Nevi'im Rishonim. Okay, so we find ourselves in Perek, in Perek Chet. It is uh, the beginning of actually the end of Shmuel. Perek Zayim was Shmuel's big Perek. It was his only cameo appearance where it's all about him. Now we hit Perek, Perek Chet. Shmuel went from this young boy that we met in the beginning of the Sefer to the leader that wins the war for them and makes this seismic shift. He convinces them to legitimately worship God. And now what happens? Shmuel. Shmuel is old. He appoints his son as judges over the Jewish people. That's what he does. His oldest son's name is Yoel, and his second son's name is Aviyah. Where are they working? They are Shoftim. They are judges in Beersheva. Beersheva obviously is in the southern part of Israel. Okay, so Yoel, Aviyah, those names, they have the name of God in them. It ends, Yoel's name ends with Kel, Aviyah's name ends with Ka. These are names that have beautiful beautiful sounds to them. It sounds like they are good guys. But then, but they didn't go in the ways of their father. What does that mean? They went after betza. They went after bribery. And they took bribes. And they perverted justice. So that does not sound very good. Now, I remember saying at my son's bris that you can give a child any name you want. And your hope And your dreams and your prayers when you name that child, whatever you name them, is that it's going to be a beautiful thing. However, all that you want for your child is not what in fact is going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. And so he names them Yoel and Aviyah with hopes that they'll be godly people. But it does not sound from Pasagimel like they turned out well. Now the Abarbanel points out, that anything that they might have done wrong was not done publicly like the B'nai Eli. They were in Beersheva. No one really knew exactly what was going on. So it's not Shmuel's fault. 
And that's why Shmuel is not punished. Not the case by Eli. Eli is punished and his entire line is punished, not Shmuel. So the question is, what exactly did they do wrong here? And for that, I'd like to take a look at the Radak and the Malbim and see that they both have very different approaches. The Radak does go back and forth. He offers different suggestions, but he says, the, the simple explanation of our Pasuk is It is hard to read Pasuk Gimel and not assume that they didn't sin. The Mitsudat Sion points out that what's the difference between Batsa and Shochad? Batsa is I like money. What happens if I like money? I take bribes. Why? Because if I want to be very wealthy and I'm in this position of power where I'm a judge, and someone comes to me and says, listen, I, I got to win this case. And he gives me this envelope with a lot, a lot, a lot of money. It's very hard for me to say no. Someone told me the craziest story. They were teaching in a school and someone came to them in Brooklyn and said, you're teaching my child. And the child was not an easy child. And they were in the middle of a uh, a really messy, messy custody battle, the parents. And the grandfather of one of the, of one of the sides comes with a huge envelope full of $100 bills. And he says to this teacher, he goes, listen, this is for you. You're my shalia. And now I want you to bring these envelopes to the school. And the person was like, no, thank you. Got in his car. And the person was standing in front of his car. And he started like inching out of his spot. And the person was trying to get into his window to drop the cash there. There are things that people do. But it starts with chemdat hamamon. If I like money, it's going to be much harder to say, okay, I'm not going to take a bribe. That's how the Mitsudas David reads the Pasuk. And that, according to the Red Dog, is Pashat Pshat. They sin. Let's take a look at the Malbim. The Malbim says, Says the Malbim, they didn't actually sin. Not so much. What happened was, that they didn't go in their father's ways. How did they not go in their father's ways? The greatness of Shmuel was Shmuel went to every single village and every single city and every single area. And he's a regional, he's not a regional leader. He's the entire land. They're like, I don't think so. It's very nice. Very nice that dad wants that. But I'm not interested. What am I going to do? I'm going to pick a spot and that's where I'm going to be. Where do they go? They go to Beersheba. Says the Malbim, that's already the problem. If one had gone all the way up north and one had gone all the way down south, okay, fine. Then at least they would have divided themselves up. They did this. They said, no, no, I don't think so. We're going to stay in Beersheba. Why Beersheba? I don't know. It's beautiful there. Nice weather, not too far from the coast. I'm not sure why they choose Beersheba. But they say, this is going to be our home base. And now anybody that needs us is going to have to come down. They, they, they And they did great for their chazanim, for their uh, their officers and their scribes. 
so what happens? They're they're collecting lots for the Balabatim from the Balabatim to themselves. It starts that they refuse to travel. And then after they refuse to travel, they padded the pockets of their workers. And then eventually they padded their own pockets. And eventually they even took bribes. Now, what's the difference? If someone comes to you and says, listen, here's the thousand dollars. You're about to judge my court case. Thank you. I could theoretically remain objective. I look at the, the, the facts and it happens to be that I side with the guy that gave me the thousand dollars. But I didn't do it because he gave me the thousand dollars. It happens to be that he got it. It's not so simple to do that. But theoretically, that's possible. However, eventually, you, you go from, well, you know what? Why am I taking the thousand dollars and trying to remain objective? I just take the thousand dollars and give them the court case. That's what happens. So that is how it works. It's interesting. According to the Malvin, they didn't actually take it. It's, they liked money. And they took care of all their workers. It was ki'ilu. It was as though. It was as if they took shochat. Now, I, I want to suggest that perhaps you can say the following. The people themselves, they were... They had a, a leaning towards money. That was just their 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 nature. They liked money. And so what they did was they they said, not only do we want to make money, but we want money to be made for all the people that we work with. It sounds beautiful. The only thing is, if that's the type of person you are, you're probably not suitable to be a leader that's answering questions and, and judging the people. Why? Because you're karov. Karov l'shochad. Even if you really try hard because you enjoy money and want money, there is a very good chance that you're going to mess up. So according to the Radak, they sinned for sure. According to the Malbim and Rashi as well and others, they didn't really sin. They just didn't hit the mark of their father. Because they didn't hit the mark of their father, they ended up Ki'ilu, they sin. Now, which one do you want to accept? I'll, I'll accept either way. I'm okay with either one. Now, but Alex Israel has a beautiful idea where he says the following. He says, why did they end up in Beersheba? So he says that Shmuel probably had a sense that they were not the ideal leaders. Now, the thought that there were only two Shoftim Amongst all of Klal is very, very, very hard, hard to imagine. You probably have leaders all over the place. And then you have Shmuel, who is the Shofet Tagadol. So says by Alex Israel, why do they end up in Beersheba? They're banished. They're banished to that outpost in Beersheba. Why? Shmuel acknowledged they're probably not ideal fits for leadership. And the hope is that by putting them in Beersheba, their leadership role, the need for what they're going to do, will be somewhat minimized. Pasuk Dalid. 
All of all the elders of Israel come together, and they they gather and they come to Shmuel in Ramah, his home. By Yomrei love, and and they say to him, "Hinatazakanta, you know, you have you're old, and your sons have not gone in your way." Again, what does it mean they have not gone in your way? Either they haven't literally gone in your way. They haven't followed your footsteps to be who you are and to go to us and see us where we are. Or, they haven't hit the, the, the spiritual levels that you have. So they say, because your sons have not hit what they should hit, we want a king. Why? To judge us like all the non-Jews. Okay, so the big question that's going to happen here, it's going to come up, is is this a fair question or an unfair question? Is asking for a king appropriate? Is it not? And now let's look at Shmuel's reaction and try to understand, is Shmuel's reaction a justified reaction? And so it's bad in the eyes of Shmuel, like they said, give us a king to judge over us. And Shmuel davens to God. Okay, so let's let's try to take a look. What did they do? What do they want? And is it a fair ask? Is it an unfair ask? So I'll start with the Kliakar. The Kliakar says, Sima Lanu. He says, what is the problem? They say, Sima Lanu, give for us. So they say, they don't say Sima Aleinu on top of us, but give to us. What are they saying? They're saying, we want a king so we can dominate him. He's not our leader. We are going to lead him. Those are the worst leaders. A leader that has no backbone, that does whatever the people want, are the worst leaders. Because basically, the people are rubber stamping what they want, and the king is their mouthpiece. So it's not really a good idea. Let's take a look at the Mari Kra. The Mari Kra says, Mari Kra says that you know why he's angry? Why didn't you ask this during the times of the Shoftim? Now, in Shoftim, we had several times where it said, there was no king in Israel. And what happened because there was no king in Israel? Look what a train wreck the Jewish people are. So he says, why didn't you ask it then? That's when you needed a king. Now you have me. And what's going on? I've actually gotten you to a good place. Now that I have you in a good place, now you're asking for a king? Why? It doesn't make any sense. That is the answer of the Mari Kra, which makes perfect sense given the fact that who wrote Sefer Shoftim? Shmuel. And what's Shmuel's message from Sefer Shoftim? This is where you've fallen. So his answer is, I'll tell you why you fell. You fell because ain't Melech Yisrael. But why did you wait now till we've hit a good place? That is the opinion of the Mari Kra. Rashi says the following. His problem was that they asked to be judged just like all the non-Jews. He doesn't have a problem. It is okay. 
It's okay to ask for a king. But if you're asking for a king because you want to be like everyone else, that's not a good answer. Think about what we want for ourselves, for our children. The reason why you do good things, hopefully, is because they're good things. But when someone comes to you and says, oh, you know why I want this? I really, really want it. That's great. Why do you want this? All my my friends have it. There is something that you lose there. Is that the only reason why? If that's the only reason why you want it, not such a fan. So that is another possibility. Um, okay, there there also is the possibility that the reason why they ask for a king now is um, because he's old. And that's fine. But again, and, and they say that, listen, you know, Shmuel, we wouldn't be asking if your sons were worthy of taking over, but they're not. And therefore, we need a king. Okay. So I want to share with you a beautiful idea by Rev. Amnon Bazak. Rev. Amnon Bazak says that actually what, what Shmuel is upset about is that they're saying that we need a king. What is the purpose of a king? A king is going to be someone who is going to be the magic potion. It, he's going to be that 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 secret bullet that will get us to the promised land. And Shmuel says, I don't understand. That's what you're asking for? Do you not remember? That's what you thought about with the Aron. You viewed the Aron as this magic weapon that you couldn't lose. You look at a king the same way. But no, didn't I teach you anything? Shmuel says, I failed. It's bad for him in his eyes because he realizes that as much as he thinks he got the people to a better place, they're still looking and they're still searching for the exact same thing. Now, the irony, the irony is that a king is really not as good as you think. Get back to the irony in just a moment. Let's ask a question in general. Forget Shmuel. Forget the Jewish people's request. But in general, from a Torah perspective, I want to know, is having a king a good thing? Yes. Is it okay? It's neutral. Or is it not good? Boo. Which one is it? So let's take a look at the Pesukim in Devarim. In Devarim, it says the following. You come to the land. God gives you the land. And you conquer it, you dwell there. You say, You say, I want a king just like all the nations around me. Wow. Other than the fact that it says Alai as opposed to Lanu, this seems to be almost a carbon copy of what the Jewish people have asked for. They said, We want a king to be like everybody else. Says the Torah. When you come to that point and you ask for it, you'll take a king that God chooses from amongst your brothers. And the only condition is you cannot pick a non-Jewish king. That's it. You get there, you ask for it, you get it. Beautiful. What's wrong with that? So the question is, is it a mitzvah? 
Is it God? Is it a suggestion? Is it a bidyevit? If you ask for it, I don't love it, but I'll give it to you. Says the Ramban, It's a positive commandment. Once you conquer the land, and you settle the land, you need to ask for it. Now this could actually piggyback really nicely on what the Marie Cross says. You know why he gets upset? Why did you ask now? In Sefer Shoftim, already that's when you had the land. In fact, there probably are points in Sefer Shoftim where the Jews were more ruling over the land than now. That's the opinion of the Ramban. And he says it's like Vasita Makalagagecha, Right, you're like uh, where you have to build a a uh, a fence around your roof. It's it's a mitzvah. So you have to do it. If you have a roof, you have to have a you have to have a a. If you have a roof, you have to have a, a fence around it. If you own the land, you have to have a king. And it's actually a mitzvah. You have to actually come and say, "We want a king." This is, and it happens. The psukim that are written here come out befoal in the times of Shmuel. Says the Ramban, it's mitzvah. Says the Abarbanel, not so fast. Abarbanel says it's optional. If you need one, if you want one, then you have one. And then I'm going to tell you, this is the way you get your king. I, but what if you don't want a king? Not a king. Let's say you say, Shmuel Anavi is amazing. Long live Shmuel. Then you don't need one. So let's also just wonder, what is the Torah's perspective from Psukim that we're familiar with? So let's see. In the Torah, this past week's parsha, we read parsha Vayechi. Vayechi, Yaakov talks about Yosef, Yehuda as Malchus. He's the kingship. If kings are bad, then why is Yaakov saying Yehuda is the king? In the Navi, in Shoftim, it says multiple times, "Ain Melech Bisel." The implication is, if there was a king, we would have been much better off. But there wasn't a king. That's the opinion of, those are the positives. Of course, Gidon is offered the opportunity to rule. And what happens? Gidon says, no, 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 no. Let me tell you how it works. The king does not rule. You don't, when you get a king, the king rules over you. You don't want that. Why do you need that? Hashem God will rule over us. So which one is it? Is a king good? Okay, you're not good. So here's the irony. The Bazak points out the irony. They say to Shmuel, we don't want your sons. Doesn't work. Why? Because they're not as good as they should be. So we want to go and switch. What should their answer be? We want to switch for a different Navi. Okay, it's great. You are amazing, Shmuel. Your sons are not. Let's find someone of your caliber. Moshe is in the same position. He's amazing. Moshe Rabbeinu. His sons are not. So they say they, Moshe acknowledges that. And they they start they God puts out a uh, a search party. It takes about two seconds because God himself makes the determination. And he picks Yoshua. We'll do the same thing here. The irony is they say, We don't want you, your children, to rule over us. 
the dangers of passing it down from one generation to another. Oh, you know what? Let's get a king. Wait, you know what a king does? A king rules us and then his children and then his grandchildren, etc., etc. The Jewish people seem to be a little bit confused about what, in fact, they want. Now, what's the danger of a king? The danger of a king is that a king often has this feeling of it's all about me. And that's very, very scary. So what's the remedy? I have to share with you. This picture is probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. This past Thursday, I had the opportunity. It was a real honor. I had the honor to join with 15, 15 men from West Hempstead who came to Israel for four days, led by Michael Mandelstam. And uh, we went around for the day to a lot of different places. And our last stop was the army base in Shura, which is where the Rabbanut Harashi is based out of. We saw some really, really gut-wrenching things there. But the very last place we went is this room. Now, I don't know if you can tell. You have to really look carefully. And if you're watching this on, if you're just listening, but you're not watching, I apologize, you're missing out. This room has metal shelves, one, two, three, four, four shelves on each side. So you're talking about eight shell shelving units. Each one has one, two, three, four, five, six shelves. And each shelf has on it um, three or four Sifrei Torah. So do the math on that. Let's say it's four times six is 24. 24 times eight, it's hundreds of Sifrei Torah. And I might be wrong. It might be five across I'm not sure. There's a lot, a lot of Sifrei Torah. The army makes sure there's a thousand Sifrei Torah in circulation, and then they collect Puzzle Sifrei Torah, and they have five full-time Sofrim that are fixing these Torahs so they can put them into, um, they can put them into use in the army, in army uh, units around the country. So the rabbi that was that, that met with us says, why do we need a room like this? He says, because this is the remedy. You're going out to war. And it is so easy when you go out to war to forget what is it all about? Why am I fighting? Am I fighting for the state of Israel? Yes. What does the state of Israel represent? It represents the fact that we are a society of Jewish people that are dedicated and committed to the Torah. He says, you take that Torah out to the base and it gives the chayalim such koach. Because this is what is our basis. This is what is in our hearts. This is who we truly are. That's why the king has to walk around with the Sefer Torah. And that's the message that Am Yisrael has to get. It's not about the king. But it's about what the king represents. The king is supposed to walk around and be a living embodiment of the Torah. The problem is that the kings, unfortunately, all too often fall short. Why? Because the king is a very different type of leader than a Navi. A Navi doesn't work for the people. A Navi doesn't have to collect money or taxes or anything else. A Navi simply is the moral conscience of the Jewish people. And so the Navi is in a place where he could say, no, I don't think so. That is not acceptable behavior. The king, he has to make alliances and he has to make things work. It's not so simple. And so by accepting the idea and the notion that you want a king, you are putting yourselves in dangerous territory. It could be amazing, but it could be equally dangerous. Let's take a look at Pasuk Zion. Says God. God says to Shmuel, listen, Shmuel, don't take it personally. 
Just do whatever they want. Why? Because understand, it's not you that they hate. It's me. God says they're rejecting my Torah. It's not what they want. They want a king. They can be powerful. They can be strong. That's what they want. It's not really you that they're rejecting. They're rejecting me. Says, says Rav Alex Israel, their failure is the, in their belief in Hashem. If we're like everyone else, it'll all be okay. That's what they're hoping for. But the fact is that if you're just like everyone else, then you're saying that the, the unique quality, the walking Savior Torah, the connection with God is lost. So what does God say? Listen, you know what? Since I took them out of Egypt, they've constantly been, been abandoning me. This is what? No different. So God says, listen, listen to their voice, but tell them, give them, give them testimony that they will get Mishpat HaMelech. What is Mishpat HaMelech? Mishpat HaMelech are the laws that will govern the people when they have a king. Now the Malvin points out that actually the problem with what they had is that they're saying we want a king. Why? Because we believe in Zerah Adam. Man takes care of us. I think that to a certain extent, the reason for that is it's actually much easier and more comfortable to rely on man. And it's a lot easier and a lot more comfortable to rely on ourselves than it is to God. We we feel God sometimes, but it's hard because I don't see God. But I see my friend. I see my and I see myself. I see what I'm able to do. It, it takes a high level of emuna bitachon to get to that point where we say, God, you got this. So I think it's natural for them to want to be boteach, bezerah basar. But that's not what we're supposed to be aiming to do. So God says, fine. Tell them mishpat emelech. So he says, listen, you want a king? That's fine. But let me tell you what mishpat emelech is. Now, what is mishpat emelech? If you continue on in Sefer Devarim, the king is told three things. There are three laws that the king has to follow. Number one, you can't have too many horses. Why? Too many horses will bring you to Egypt. What exactly does it mean? But too many horses will give you this sense that what? It's all about your military strength. That's not a good thing. So you can't have too many horses. You can't have too many women. 18 wives. It's a lot of wives. But you can have up to 18 wives. A king cannot have a thousand wives. It's just bad. Number two. And number three is you can't have too much money. Those are the three laws. Okay? You cannot have too much of those things. How much is too much? Torah gives us a little bit of an understanding. If you have so many horses, you go back to Egypt, too much. Too many women, the guideline is 18. Too much money, not sure what that is. But that says, Sefer Dvarim is Mishpat HaMelech. Now listen to what Shmuel says then. He says, you, you want to know what is uh, Mishpat HaMelech? I'll tell you Mishpat HaMelech. Your sons will be his chariot drivers and his so, and his soldiers on the chariots. And there will be officers, officers of a thousand, officers of fifty. And they'll, you'll have to plow his fields. And to harvest his fields. And to produce his weapons and his chariots. And he's going to take your daughters. 
for what? To make perfume. And to be the butchers and the uh, and the cooks. And he's going to take your best fields and your best orchards and your best vineyards and your best olives. And he's going to take them and give them to his servants. And his the stuff from your field, he's going to take a tenth of. And he's going to give it to his various officers and servants. He's going to take all your best servants and your best animals to do his work. And he's going to tithe, take a tenth of your animals, and you are going to be his servants. And on that day, you're going to cry out to God and say, God, please, please, please help me out. You know what? God is not going to listen. The thing is, that is not what they ask. That is not what Devarim tells us a king is. Devarim says, Mishpat Melech, the rule of the king is, these are the three three laws. It doesn't say anywhere there that he's going to take all your stuff. He's going to uh, basically own you. But that's what it says. Attempt you, you will be, for him, a slave. So what exactly is going on here? So maybe... <clears throat> Maybe what's going on is Shmuel is trying to explain exactly where the Jewish people are. You know, just last parak, you guys were suffering. And just last parak, it looked like you were in a bad place. And the Plishtim were overrunning the people. And what did you do? You dive into God. And what does God do? God wins the war for you. Isn't that exactly what we wanted? So Shmuel says, you have that. Why do you need a king? And by the way, when you have a king, you know what's going to happen? You're going to dive into God. God won't listen to you. God's done with you. That's Mishpat HaMelech. So it seems like Shmuel is actually projecting something very different than what actually is the king. And so the question is, is the king allowed to take these things? So if Bazak points out, yeah, of course the king's allowed to take these things. It's called taxes. Isn't that what a king does? See, the beauty of not having a king is that the Navi says, listen, I don't know, you guys all take care of all your your, your regional issues. You, Yehuda, you need new roads, you deal with it. Shimon, you need new uh, a hospital, you take care of that. All the way up north, you guys need uh, you know, a garrison and troops to protect yourself. Raise the money, do it all internally. What does the Navi say? The Navi says, I just, I'm just telling you to... to practice the way of God. But now when you have a king, the king is going to do what? He's going to charge taxes. He's going to take the best of your things. He's going to take your servants. He's going to put your children in servitude. Why? It's called taxes. But, but, and I love this picture. The picture basically is saying that the difference between right and wrong, it's a very, very fine line. And you could just as easily fall one way or the other. A king is allowed to take these things. That's his right. But what ends up happening is Mishpat HaMelech, the nature of a king is that unfortunately, unfortunately, it is all too often that the king goes a little bit or a lot bit off the path of God very, very quickly. And so, says Bazak, that is the danger of having a king. Pasuk Yotet. Manu ha'am l'shmo v'kol shmuel v'yomeru lo they couldn't listen to Shmuel. They said, we're fine. We want a king. Now, what's interesting is that they change it. They have not said Lanu. 
like they said at the beginning, with the, which the Kliyakar explains to me that they want to rule the king. They said, after what you've said, we acknowledge that we want a king still, but we want him to be Aleinu. We want him to be over us. He will rule us. And he says that he will be, will be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us and he will go out and, and, and win our wars. Why is it that the people needed that that so badly? He says, Rav Yigal, the biggest concern that the Jewish people have, and this is make this actually makes sense in light of Sefer Shoftim, we just can't win our wars. We're just constantly overrun by our enemies. We need an alternative. What is the alternative? The alternative is a king. And perhaps it's actually a noble request. They're saying, and Shmuel, we have to understand why is it bad in the eyes of Shmuel? Might be bad in the eyes of Shmuel because Shmuel takes it, it's a painful slap in the face that they don't want him. And why is it that God says they hate me, not you? Because God knows what can happen with a king. And God knows what will happen with their king. Might not happen right away, but God knows ultimately that the kings will be much more unjust than just. They'll do more often, they'll do more damage than they'll do help. But there is the capacity in the king to be great. And there is the capacity in their request to seek that which will what? That which will help the Jewish people. Is it not true that they want a military leader? You could argue that Shmuel was a military leader. He won the war in Perak Zion. But they want someone who will stabilize the region. They want someone who could win for them regularly. And so what happens after that is like Shmashmuel called the Shmuel hears it and he speaks to the God their words. God says, listen to them, appoint the king. Shmuel says to everyone, what do I want you to do? Everyone go home to their cities. Says the Mitsudas David, why? Why does he say those words? Why does he say that they should go home to their cities? They should go home to their cities because he says, I will do as you want. That's what you want? You want a king? I agree. God agrees. We'll do it. Go home. And I will take care of it. And when we come back next week for Perik Tet, what will we see? We'll see how Shmuel takes care of it. We're going to see the story of the discovery of the first king. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Have a wonderful week. Again, Mazel Tov on the start of our second year of learning together. Have a wonderful week and keep walking in the ways of the prophets.